0: A
1: <laughs> Love me. Hello, welcome to Prince Trap by Track. I'm your host Darren and today we're going to be talking about Can't Stop This Feeling I've Got, the opening track from Graffiti Bridge. Uh, first recorded in 1982 at the Kiowa Home Trail studio, and then re-recorded by Prince and the Expanded Revolution um, in 1986 uh, at the Washington Avenue Warehouse um, over, over the summer, um, and then overdubs were added, including horns, and then Prince completely re-recorded the song in 1989 at Paisley Park, um, in, in addition to include, including this new intro. Uh, which, you know, I'm sure we can get into. Um, It was released on the 20th of August, 1990, and on the track, as I said, it's just Prince. Uh, The song is 4 minutes 24, and joining me to talk about it today is Russell Eyrie. Hello, Russell.
0: Hello. This
1: is a really weird thing, uh, something that I'm, I'm sure I'll bring up more than once on these songs from Graffiti Bridge, but on the Purple Rain soundtrack, the opening song was the opening of the film, and the closing song was essentially the, the victory in the film. Okay. Uh, now, the the sequencing on Graffiti Bridge doesn't make as much sense because the opening song in Graffiti Bridge is the next track, and oh. this song doesn't appear anywhere in the film. So <laughs> it's really kind of unclear as to why Prince put this at the beginning, aside from the fact that this album is mostly old songs. Basically, Prince is clearing out you know the <laughs> vault of a few old songs. This is the one that he chose to, for some reason, put at the start of the album. Um, and the the weirdest. Yeah, that's an that's an odd choice. Yeah, the weirdest thing is, um, you know, not only I mean, it opens with the whole "Dear Dad, things didn't turn out quite how I planned," which in itself is kind of a reference to you know the stuff that happened in Purple Rain. Uh, if you take that, this is being done in character as the kid. You know, it's the kid who's singing right. this, and he's talking about you know the kind of the shooting that happened in Purple Rain. Later on in the film, we find out that the kid's parents are both dead. Um, you know, Billy, who used to own the club, is also dead um like basically there's a lot of people from purple rain who didn't return so prince just killed them all off basically
0: <laughs> they killed them off yeah <laughs> yeah they're all
1: dead um though, in- interestingly like prince wrote the screenplay for this film after under the cherry moon came out and it took him until 1989 to get the money out of warner brothers because he'd been spending a lot of money on building um Paisley park he'd gone on a couple of very expensive tours and Um, You know, he'd got to the point where basically Warner Brothers, you know, they liked that Prince was one of their artists, but he kept spending all their money and, you know, Prince didn't really kind of care about money, you know, as such. So Warner Brothers wanted some kind of. You know, they wanted something back. And in return, he did the Batman soundtrack. You know, it's a hugely successful soundtrack. Prince had a number one single. There's a whole lot of, you know, and from that, Prince was then able to leverage that into doing a sequel to Purple Rain. But he didn't want it to be a sequel to Purple Rain to start off with. Um, and in fact, the you know, some of the members of the time have said that the script was originally written as a vehicle for the time. But because Prince had to make it a sequel to Purple Rain to sell it to the executives, it then became about the kid and, you know, the time basically get turned into these kind of villains. Um, You know, there is a line that's in the trailer where uh, Maurice Day says, how do you want to die Uh, to the kid? And in the trailer, that just looks like, you know, the kind of the, the back and forth, the rivalry. That's a line that he says after aura is run over by a truck and taken away in an ambulance. (laughs) And he looks directly at the kid after, after, you know, essentially this woman that they've been warring over has been killed. And he says to Prince, how do you want to die? And like in the film, you have to go, wait a minute, this just took a very dark turn. Um, you know, yeah. instead of being about like two bands kind of having a kind of fun rivalry with music, it becomes about Morris Day wanting to kill the kid. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so odd that, you know, Prince basically spent three years on this, kind of rewriting it and changing, you know, some of the stuff in it. Uh, you know, the character that, that is that's played by Ingrid Chavez was meant to be played by two different actresses at one point. Um, You know, Kim Basinger apparently was enthusiastic about doing the film until she read the script. Um, You know, Prince, uh, in the summer of 1989, he'd worked on a few songs with Madonna on um, Like a Prayer. Uh, If you recall the opening guitar riff from the song Like a Prayer, that's Prince. Um, You know, they did a collaboration called Love Song that's on that. that. So he wanted Madonna to also be in the film. Um, But, you know, the part that Madonna would play and the part that Kim Basinger would play eventually merged into Aura. Um, played by Ingrid Chavez. Um, And, you know, it's not a very good film. Uh, It was not very well received. Um,
0: I'm surprised by that trailer. I've never seen it, but uh, that trailer seems so promising. So many... so many so many ladies hinders and uh aunties being removed
1: <laughs> it's it's fun. yeah well that, that, yeah that that is a great moment in the film um, from Jill Jones uh, but here's a re- here's a really weird thing is like um you know like the, the kind of the whole backbone of it is kind of a rerun of Purple Rain in that you know it's about who is the better band and they have to do that through the power of song um of course so, but it's just weird because throughout the whole film there's this idea that somehow the time are way more popular than Prince, and <laughs> right, and and it's just this kind of it's weird that Prince wrote himself into this film where he was the less popular artist, and.
0: I, I mean, isn't that kind of the case in Purple Rain? too? Yeah. isn't it that the sort of the the way that those the time is represented as like the established act right in that movie?
1: That's completely true. But the weirdest thing is, of yeah. course, is the prince didn't write that one. You know, like somebody else wrote that prince right. has the chance here to kind of write himself in, in like a different way. And he basically just chooses to do Purple Rain all over again um yeah. you know and it's funny because when around the world in the day came out you know there was talk that people were disappointed the album wasn't simply you know purple rain 2 and here we have purple rain 2 and people were still disappointed in this album um you yeah. know um, and obviously the title itself comes from an actual bridge that was um in eden prairie minnesota um and you know the the bridge itself you know was covered in graffiti and you know a lot of people would kind of hang out there uh, it, unfortunately it was tore down a few years after this film came out um you know to to make way for some construction um so you know not even prince kind of memorializing it in film could keep it up i mean the film itself interestingly wasn't released until the 2nd of november 1990 so from when the album was released in like august there's quite and and you know the, the single the lead-off single thieves in the temple was released like july it was like a long gap before the film actually came out.
0: Well, and this, I mean, this song, there's a really long gap from when it was originally recorded to, I mean, that's, I, that's so crazy. Just looking here, 82 released in 90, like yeah. that's nuts. But, but it makes sense actually. So, cause when I first listened to the track, the, the, the first thing I noticed, like, was this intro, which I thought was taking me somewhere very different. Like, uh, you know, this was my first time hearing this uh, song when when you sent it to me. So I had no idea what I was about to listen to. So it starts and with this, like, moody, like, dear dad, you know, I thought, oh, this is dark. And then, like the first, like, guitar riffs. I thought we were, like, going into some weird, like, early 90s goth metal, like, song or something. It just <laughs> felt like that was the direction this was heading in. And then it is the most, like, 60s pop song I have ever heard. <laughs> like, it gets so, like, poppy. And, I mean, to the point where I actually now I'm looking and I go, oh, 82, this makes sense because I, I don't know, you, you'll you know that your dates better, but the song it reminded me the most of in, in Prince is, like, um when you were mine yeah um, that's from
1: around the same time so that makes sense
0: yeah. yeah yeah so it sound it has that like super fun upbeat pop song kind of just 60s pop like it, it's almost if you were to like uh like I always think about like stock music like in a movie or something if you're you're like somebody turns on the radio and it's like this is a pop song that is playing like this song to me like would represent like this is what a pop song sounds like it's kind of hitting all of those those I don't know beats correctly it's getting all of the the like that sort of pop sound you expect so I don't know I was very surprised by that <laughs> real sudden change it made cuz when it starts with this like Dear dad. And then I even kind of made a note here. I was like, who wants to stop him? His dad? Like, I don't even know. Like, where, where are you? We're addressing his dad and then it like it goes onto this whole other idea of like, I can't stop this feeling and I'm just like, well, what does this beginning have anything to do with the rest of this song? Like, I don't know why you're talking about your dad because the rest is just like, sounds like, you're in love and that's what, you can't stop the feeling. Yeah,
1: it's funny because he says sometimes I feel like I'm going to explode and, and like that explode kind of like echoes and there's like a weird kind of treatment and you get this kind of really low kind of notes. And then you're right. It just, you get, the funny thing is, um, you know, Prince had kind of abandoned the Lynn drum machine at this point. So mm-hmm. this song still has that Lynn drum machine beat that Prince probably put down in like 1982 um, and you know, possibly in 1986, kind of recorded over, and then he's kind of stripped it back just to the the Lin drum machine and then kind of put everything back on top of it from there. But yeah, it just turns into this really kind of upbeat. And I mean, saying that the first kind of verse, you know, where he says everybody wants to see you down for the count, but what but that ain't what being a real man's about. The braver and bold hang for the kill, so the bigger the hole, the bigger we fill it, and then and then it kind of starts getting upbeat. And then by the time it gets to the, the chorus with I can't stop this feeling I got, I feel it from <laughs> feeling right down to my toes, which I just love kind of the dear dad thing. And then, a, a, you know, a few lines later and we're, we're talking about Prince's toes and it's just such a, right, such a right, weird right. kind of direction that it's it's gone in. Um, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Although this. So the other thing is it does like I felt like the song also does take another turn in the middle where it gets really serious for a minute with like, hey, pardon me for living <laughs> like that whole bit like. That that section also just seems a little like I don't know a little weirdly heavy or something for the I don't know if the song can quite support that seriousness <laughs> it, it suddenly brings like I was kind of snickering to myself um, it's funny actually because let me find those
1: the, the the whole pardon me for living that is actually quoted in the next song new power generation there's a whole bunch there's okay. a whole bunch of of course choruses where Prince says pardon me for living you know pardon me for breathing there's like a whole thing of like a very aggressive kind of like you know, pardon me for just existing. Type kind of theme yeah. It's brought up in that 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 next song. So it's interesting that he kind of puts a little bit of it in here, <laughs> where he's like, "Pardon me for living, but this is my world." You know, like that that kind yeah. of thing. You know, that's I don't know. It's, it's weird because it feels like it's quoting the next song before you've heard the next song. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's a it's it's a it's a much more serious like idea that's suddenly brought into this song. That I mean, at least to me, on a very quick read just seems to be about being in love or something for, <laughs> for the most part i don't yeah, know
1: especially especially when you have like the kind of the, the refrains from the whole i can't stop stuff which are you know my body got to have it you know and i'll write a letter to the whole world and you know every man woman boy and girl like that those do feel like lines from some kind of like love song where he's talking about, you know, yeah. i got to get shaking all in my shoes and, you know, the doctor says there's nothing I can do. That does feel like a kind of 60s girl group type lyrics that have kind of somehow yeah, especially been like, transposed onto this this Prince song.
0: Yeah, the down, down to My Toes is definitely, like, a pop song kind of language, I feel like, yeah. of that girl group sort of thing. Yeah,
1: And, you know, I, I, I like as well, how there's the whole thing of, like, you know, try to tell me how to paint my palace. That's, <laughs> that ain't where it's at. That's like trying to tell Columbus that the world is flat and I'm like I I mean (laughs) okay it's such a
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah it? the columbus line made me laugh too i just thought like wait why are we bringing christopher columbus into this this is a really strange idea i mean i was like maybe maybe in you know 1982 when he wrote this they probably were not being quite as critical of like <laughs> re-examining christopher columbus yeah. but like as a he's he's casting him a bit as, of a hero here of a revolutionary who's like <laughs> you know the world is round and and every you know it's like we, we of course now that is that is not Actually, true. Like that, everyone that everyone believed the world was round at that point. yeah so, like, Yes. Like this, I mean, it's playing into the you know stereotypes of Christopher Columbus here a little bit, but whatever.
1: I mean, I like as well how we get to the kind of you know obviously that the, the whole can't stop this feeling I got, Um but you you have this thing where Prince says I'm in a book kicking mood tonight, y'all, and you know he he
0: talks
1: about he talks about how he can't stop and then. You know, you have you have the kind of that call and response thing with the the kind of the oohs, like that kind of stuff. Um, you know, somewhere in the song, and then you, then you also have the kind of uh, towards the end, you get the, the bit where they're like, "Only we can change the world, only we can change the world," and you're like, "What? Where is it?" <laughs> like, it's it's kind of like Princess has got like four or five different songs, and he's just kind of like he's like, "I've got to put them all together, and I've got to get them out of the way," so. You know, each each kind of change just feels like a, a new song, rather than kind of k- kind of tying back into the the actual, you know, the the feeling that he's got, which he never really elaborates on. He just says that he can't stop. I just it. want
0: to go back to I want to go back to the butt kicking mood, please, <laughs> uh, because. I just again that's so like pseudo aggressive but it just comes across as so like childish like the word "butt." like he doesn't say I'm in an ass kicking mood like that that would maybe make me believe it but anyone who walked into a room and was like, I'm in a butt-kicking mood tonight, y'all. I would just, you know, crack up at if anyone actually said that. That's so funny. The y'all also really got me because I was just like, what? You don't say y'all, Prince. Like, <laughs>
1: you, you forget he's from Min- Minneapolis, so there is a kind of bit of Minnesota noise that sometimes creeps through in some of Prince's lyrics.
0: Yeah, but that's like, I'm, I mean, I, I'm from Kentucky. Like, we say y'all, but like, <laughs> people in the north don't say y'all. Like, I don't think, I mean, hey, I'm sure, so, please correct me. Uh, let me know <laughs> if i'm mistaken about your minnesota um slang, but i just i feel like that is uh definitely a south of the mason dixon line kind of uh expression that I was a little surprised to hear Prince pull out of his pocket.
1: <laughs> it's been it's been in quite a few songs. That's the thing as well, as it's just something that kind of slips out. I think Prince's Prince's hmm. parents were from the South anyway, so...
0: Oh, okay. Well, then that makes sense. I mean, he might have grown up saying it.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably coming from his parents. But it's just weird to think of Prince being like a Midwesterner. That's that's the kind of, um, you know, the odd thing. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just thinking of him yeah, kind I mean, of, you know... Uh, this is before Fargo, obviously, years before Fargo. But after Fargo, that's kind of how everyone thinks of you know, Minnesotans, isn't
0: it? So (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, I have never, I don't, I've never been to Minnesota, so I I don't want to act like an expert here, but I have been to, like, northern Wisconsin, and I will say, like, that sort of Fargo representation is is maybe just, like, one point bigger than it actually is. Like, it's pretty dead-on to me. (laughs) I don't know, like, that accent, like, in Wisconsin, everyone was just, you know, and they were all super nice like that, but very, like, everyone's, like, so friendly and... And just like, oh, oh, sure, you know, okay, yeah, yeah. It's all like that. So, I mean, yeah, it is really funny because he's so like, our idea of him is this like total <laughs> recluse who, you know, <laughs> does not seem terribly friendly. So I I wouldn't think of him as having that Minnesota nice at all. Yeah.
1: Um, and, you know, Prince finishes after saying, I can't stop this fiend I got a few times he kind of has this build-up with the feeling, 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 and then, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, the song kind of finishes. <laughs> I should say there is there is a little bit of a kind of like guitar solo kind of in here. It's not a huge thing. Um, and, you know, the track is actually kind of really busy once it gets going. You know, there's a lot of kind yeah. of bits and pieces underneath. And it just does feel like Prince kind of throwing everything at the wall. Um, over the Like underneath these really kind of odd lyrics.
0: It also sounds like super dated i feel like it definitely i i I was thinking to myself like so if this came out in 90 i can only imagine like 10 years after this like in 2000 how so terribly lame this song sounded like there's just something about the production that is so of its time i i just was thinking like this song probably sounded really uncool at one point but now I feel like we've crossed that threshold where its corniness has come back around <laughs> and is actually kind of cool now. Like, I don't know, there's something about the sound of this song that almost sounds like of today because it's so, like, its retroness is just, like, hit its, hit its peak, I guess, at this point, I felt like. I mean,
1: it's, it's weird because obviously it was such an old song by the time it got released that it kind of felt, yeah. on this album, it sounds a little dated anyway, like in 1990. Yeah. Um, but and Ray. the weirdest thing is that Prince, you know, after kind of denying being part of the Minneapolis sound for so long in his later years, he kind of went back to the kind of Lindrum machine kind of sound. And he actually kind of mm-hmm. embraced, you know, the kind of sound that would have would have, you know, worked with this song uh, towards the end. So it's kind of interesting that, you know, this song was like eight years old by the time anyone like heard it. And it was in a film that Prince had been kind of writing for three years. And like generally with Prince projects, you know, stuff doesn't hang around that long. You know, it's very rare. Like the next two albums, Prince basically recorded from scratch after 19, like after the 1st of January 1990. Pretty much everything recorded in the next few years was brand new. Um, So it's unusual that Prince had these projects kind of hanging around for so long. Um, Even Purple Rain, from when it was like conceived as an idea to when it was released as a film. That was only about 18 months from start to finish. So it's just it's kind of odd that Prince had this project hanging around for so long. And then th- this is a song that he chose to kind of open the album, which just doesn't make any sense yeah. at all. Um, you know, and it's worth saying that for the rest of the album, you know, there are other artists on the on the album. There's, you know, there's, I think, four tracks from the time, uh, three of which are performed in the film. Um, you know, Tevin Campbell has a track which was performed in the film. You also have Mavis Staples and um, and George Clinton. Um, so this this kind of album, it, it, it it's really weird because, you know, you get a couple of Prince tracks, then you'll get a, a track from the time. And then you'll get a couple more Prince tracks, then you'll get like a Tevin Campbell track. And you're just like, I don't understand the sequence in this album at all because it's so all <laughs> over the place. And I understand what Prince was trying to do. You know, he was trying to put the spotlight on some other people and use this album as kind of like a vehicle to do that. Um, uh, but I you know I just it doesn't feel like it's kind of super successful (laughs) like it just makes the album feel really cluttered Um, and I think the fact that this you know this song is so kind of busy and messy kind of fits with the whole kind of you know album anyway
0: I had never I actually until today I had no idea that Graffiti Bridge was like a literal sequel to Purple Rain. Like I didn't know until I just watched the trailer that like when they started saying The Kid, I was like, "Wait, what? They I, I didn't I had no idea it was can, it was actually a sequel." Yeah. And I had I was thinking about my ideas of what I thought this movie was like, and I think it was a much more like I thought it was a uh, Maybe just like the sweet parts of Purple Rain, like there definitely was a lot less like threatening of Prince's life in the movie (laughs) I had imagined it was. I don't know, like there's just something about like maybe I'm just basing this purely on the cover art with Prince's face up close and then like the, the girl in the background's face. And I just thought like, oh, this is like a sweet love story probably that takes place in Minnesota and they go sit and have a picnic under a bridge or something. I don't know. Like I, th- I had this whole different movie in my mind. So watching that trailer was a little shocking to realize my mental version of graffiti bridge was way <laughs> off.
1: <laughs> well, I'm, I, it's worth saying as well, this album was fairly successful, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, Batman was a huge success. This was less successful, mm-hmm. but it was still quite successful. You know, it got to number six uh, in both the billboard pop album charts and black album charts. Um, you know, it got to number eight in Austria, number four in Germany, six in the Netherlands, uh, number two in Norway, seven in Sweden, uh, number two in Switzerland and uh, ten in Australia and three in New Zealand. And here is the weirdest thing. The only place that it debuted at number one uh, was the UK. Uh, this was a number one album <laughs> over here for Prince. And I'm not quite sure why, but, uh, I don't don't know. It's just one of those weird things, you know, like um, it only it only spent like eight weeks on the chart over here. Um, You know, it spent a little longer, you know, on the charts in America. It was like, you know, 24 weeks um, on the Billboard charts. But yeah, you know, it it debuted at number one. I think it only lasted about a week and then it kind of hung around for a couple of months. And then, you know, it's just so weird that this this was a number one album here, but not in America.
0: Yeah, I love I love went and I don't know why either but I just love that t- disconnect that happens sometimes culturally where like something is huge in one country and not like when you find out like this person who's just a minor success in America is like oh but they're huge in Korea or like <laughs> I d- I just love that idea and maybe even the UK is like even weirder sometimes just because it seems like I don't know are they are we that different that like this thing ha- takes off but you know there's like just enough differences and i i do love when i see those like what was a a huge hit in the uk and i'm just like really that was a hit <laughs> oh, okay all right. Well, I mean, I, I actually feel like a lot of times I tend to be like, whenever I see the UK charts, or, you know, I'm reading back and looking at, you know, how a song did. And I see that it was like number one in the UK. It actually usually tends to align more with my taste. Like, I feel <laughs> like I, I maybe have, I maybe understand the, the British charts uh, sensibilities more than I understand my own countries. Maybe not in the case of Can't Stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. Oh, it was actually, you are just talking about Graffiti yeah, the Bridge album- not. The album "Graffiti Bridge" stop. yeah, yeah. Was, okay, and I, I okay.
1: the tagline for the uh, for the album um, sorry for the film "Graffiti Bridge" was "Music is the power, love is the message, truth is the answer." Super vague and not really telling you anything that you need to know <laughs> about the film. Um, at the box office, no. it only made about four point six million, which you know sounds like a lot, but the thing is, the budget for the film was rumored to be somewhere around ten million, and Prince spent six months <laughs> filming the film, Jeez. so that's a lot of of effort for you know. And it and it was nominated for five Razzies, including worst picture, worst actor for Prince, so that's his second uh, his second uh, nomination under that category, uh, worst director for Prince, worst screenplay for Prince, and worst new star for Ingrid Chavez. Um, I don't I <laughs> I don't think he won any of those, unfortunately.
0: Oh yeah, poor thing. I'm sure he's really sad about not winning those Razzies. I was just thinking about how like now this is the second time I've been on where we've talked about. Songs from a, a soundtrack, and and the last time that was the same thing where it was like these were the Razzies it was nominated for. Has there ever been a time where you've had like to to get to announce the legitimate awards a Prince movie was nominated for? Or are those the only ones that's no no he
1: um he he won an Oscar for Purple Rain so okay you know. okay for like song, yeah best and song. and I think he also won a Grammy for Purple Rain and. Um, and okay I mean, there's, a, there's a few i mean you know a few of his earlier albums you know sign the times won quite a few awards as well so he has well, i'm
0: sure the album said yeah. i was just thinking about the movies yeah like, uh, well if, if i mean i think purple rain was the
1: only you know got a grammy and, a, and a, an oscar and i think that was about as much as it got but yeah uh, yeah so i mean um yeah you know prince was uh two of, uh, two thirds of the two two quarters of the way should i say to an egot um You know, (laughs) unfortunately. And the weirdest thing is
0: he... He's got an... e. He could have had an e-gort, which includes all those (laughs) rats. Yeah.
1: And the (laughs) the thing is, as well, is is he... um... (laughs) He did actually write a musical, um, but then it was abandoned. So... Do, you know,
0: what do. was this musical well, <laughs> about? Please tell me now.
1: Do, he was actually, um, if you if you know the uh, James L. Brooks film, I'll do anything, which was meant to be a musical. I do not. Uh, well, it came out in 1994. It was meant to be a musical. It had a bunch of songs written for it, most of them by Prince. And then, at the very last minute, after a test screening, all of the songs were removed, and the film was completely recut <laughs> without any of the musical
0: element. Oh my
1: um, god! And Prince also. Over his time, over time, there are a few songs. I don't think we ever knew the full track listing, but there are a few songs that he wrote later on um, that appeared on the the album Crystal Ball, where they were they were songs that were meant for a stage musical that kind of never happened. Um, so, but I, you know, I think the thing is, uh, if he'd have been a bit more freer with his um, music licensing. He could have got a jukebox musical, I think, at some point.
0: Oh yeah, and he that would have been stellar. Yeah.
1: And he could he could have won of maybe something from that if he'd have just because I think with the jukebox musical all you gotta do is contribute one new song and you can get yourself nominated for everything, can't you? So
0: now and now I'll spend the rest of the day trying <laughs> to imagine what the plot of that jukebox musical is. Yeah, I feel like Prince. You would also have it would be impossible to remove that creative control from Prince, but you really would ne- need to because like at this point I think it's pretty clear he would be like okay. The story is about a musician from Minnesota. (laughs) And he's trying to get recognized. And like it would just basically be Purple Rain all over again. And he would just like... He's like, and there's a girl that he's really into. (laughs) And he would just basically... To tell you every other thing he's already done, and they would be like, uh, "Okay, maybe we should try that." Yeah,
1: I think the thing is as well; it was have to have Jerome Benton in as well. That's that's the thing. You'd have to. There has to be a spot for Jerome somewhere in there because he's yeah. he's in all three yeah. of Prince's films. Yeah. He is he is his his uh, his De Niro to Prince's Scorsese. But uh, yeah, so I mean, <laughs> I I feel like we we've skipped over it, but I think we're gonna have to give a rating out of five at some point for "Can't Stop This Feeling" I've got.
0: Um, oh, yeah, yeah, we probably and should. And I, I, the thing
1: is, <laughs> even though it c- is completely at odds with the rest of the album, and it doesn't make any sense in terms of the film, I still really like this song, just because it kind of reminds me of, like, early 80s Prince. Um, so I, I would have to say four out of five from me.
0: You know, I was, um, I, I yeah, I kind of have gone on a little bit of a roller coaster with my rating today, because I think this morning I would have said four, and then when we were talking, I actually started to knock it down in my head a little bit. But if I'm being honest, like, yes, when I just first listened to it, my first instinct was like four as well. Like I just, I was like, yeah, I like the song. Yeah. Like I, I and and I, again, like, I like that silly poppiness to it. I love the weird intro that like, even though I'm making fun of it, like I love that it totally surprised me and took me on this other track. Like I thought, I, I love when things take me by surprise. So I just love that I thought I was going into like a heavy rock song (laughs) and then was greeted to the most silly pop song ever. I love that. So, yeah, I would go four. I mean, obviously, I don't think like this is the best Prince song, so I couldn't give it a five. But I would say like I like it. Well enough and like it more than average. So yeah. <laughs>
1: okay. Uh well I think yeah. I, I should say, um, you know, Prince, I don't think he ever performed this song live. Um, you know, I think the fact that he had it hanging around for eight years, knowing Prince, I get the feeling that by the time it was released, he was like, I am sick of that song. <laughs> I don't wanna I don't wanna think yeah. about it anymore. Um and I couldn't find any covers of it. So it just remains, you know, a kind of quintessential album track. So Yeah. Know. And I don't think we could say anything more about Can't Stop, so uh let's move on to plugs is there anything you wish to plug
0: sure uh my podcast i do here at the uh cincinnati art museum is called art palace and uh we have on guests and we look at art and uh have a conversation about it and it's more fun than i just made it sound (laughs) (laughs) i I feel like that was the driest worst uh, uh explanation i could have given my podcast sorry about that um and you can follow me on twitter at russell irig or on instagram where i take pictures of i I feel like mostly i I, i'm obsessed with this like costume store that's down the street from my house so i I feel like most of my twitter feed has just become me taking pictures of the costume store window (laughs) and the weird mannequins with their strange costume so enjoy that
1: and you can follow us on facebook at prince track by track or on twitter at prince podcast or you can email us not sure where you would at prince track by track at gmail.com thanks for joining me to be my guest here today russell
0: thank you for having me
1: and otherwise
0: good the new power generation has just taken control Oh!